Wonderful. Teachers, if you would go ahead and teach. teach. <laughs> and kids, you can go join them and have great fun. me that's kind of an example of uh, for me whether I'm a glass half full or glass half empty type guy are they running out because they love kids ministry or are they running out because they definitely don't want to be in here (laughs) don't answer that Kate I said something in passing at the beginning last week about something God had put on my heart, I felt, for this year, uh, that in his heart, it's a year of fruitfulness. But with that was something of multiplication. His first command to Adam and Eve was, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Lance shared a word, and I mentioned it last week, uh, in our prayer time that God had spoken to him about double grace about experiencing greater expression of his grace toward us, but then as that flows through us, grace toward other people. Uh, his grace and love. And in that context, I want to uh, share something. But uh, let's pray before we get started. Holy Spirit, you're the one who leads us in truth. You're the one who brings revelation. You're the one who transforms us. We embrace all that you want to do. As you highlight the word to us, but as you touch us by your presence, have your way. Amen. I was reading through uh, the gospels, all the gospels in December. And uh, I was reading through all of them fairly quickly rather than studying each verse. And I was kind of hit with something that I'd never seen before. And that is in this picture, here's Jesus, three years of ministry. He ministered to, obviously called his 12 disciples, but he ministered to thousands of people. Uh, At one point, he feeds 5,000 men, it says. Uh, 4,000, he had these huge crowds. Uh, And then he died, but he rose from the dead. And he spent 40 days on the earth after he rose from the dead, before his ascension. And so the gap between his ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was 10 days. But he spent 40 days. It just kind of hit me as I was reading that that in that time, he mostly spent time speaking to his disciples. The things pertaining to the kingdom. We see in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, Paul writes that uh, at one point he appeared to 500. And it hit me that the largest crowd he appeared to after his resurrection was 500 people. And I thought, that got me thinking. Here we are, 10 days after his ascension, in the upper room, there's 120. 
three years of ministry, ministry to huge crowds, rose from the dead, and the result was 120 in the upper room. Why did he not appear before large crowds and do miracles after he rose from the dead? You ever thought about that? You, you would think if he reached 5,000 before he had died and rose from the dead, what would it have been like had he appeared on the hillside? Probably 50,000. He didn't do that. And I got thinking about why. Why didn't he gather large crowds and do more miracles? At least that's thought-provoking. Put it on the back burner. If this were a cooking show, I would say this is going to simmer <laughs> while we do something else. Put that on the back burner and hang on. And turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 28. I just referred to this, but we're going to actually read a number of scriptures. Now, I said to Christy, because she's doing the overhead, she's a delight, uh, that I'm only going to use half the Bible this morning. <laughs> Not that I'm only going to stick to half, but I have so many scriptures that I want to share, and I actually cut down over half the ones I had prepared this week. And so uh, I've picked out a few that will highlight the point. Uh, Genesis 1.28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over everything that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. The very first command, he blessed them, and the very first thing he said was be fruitful and multiply. Over in chapter 9. And verse 1, after the flood. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. We've heard that before, right? Chapter 22, and I'm skipping a whole bunch of other ones. But chapter 22, and verse 17, this is God speaking to Abram. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants. Twenty-eight and verse three. Speaking to Isaac now, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. Let's go to the New Testament. Matthew 28. We know this. I'm going to throw this in. It doesn't actually say the same thing, but the principle is there. Uh, in verse 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to his disciples, and he says to them, Go make disciples. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7 says, And the word of the Lord of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many 
were obedient to the faith. Chapter 9 and verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. You're getting something here. One more. Second Timothy. Chapter 2 and verse 2. Second Timothy 2.2 2 says... And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What hit me as I was looking at this is that it appears that God's pattern is multiplication. Now what does that mean for us? It means he wants to use every one of us. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes. But what also hit me is while his pattern is multiplication, the means he uses to accomplish that, how he accomplishes that, is the Holy Spirit. Jesus the Christ, many people think his name was Jesus Christ. It wasn't his last name. Christ actually is the Greek word for Messiah, which means anointed one. It's Jesus the Christ, Jesus the anointed one. So it's not a last name. His name is Jesus. But he was the anointed one. But the Bible is very clear about that anointing. Read with me in Luke chapter 4. Jesus reads something in Isaiah and then applies it to himself. Chapter 4, verse 18, he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. This is from Isaiah. And Jesus reads it and he says, Today, this has been fulfilled in your midst. One more, Acts chapter 10. You're just kind of looking at me dumbfounded and saying, Where is he going with this? Just hang in there. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus was the anointed one. Why? Because he was God come to earth? No, because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Philippians says that he emptied himself, taking on the form of a man. He emptied himself of his God ability, taking on the form of a man. And then he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was the anointed one because the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now the good news is, we also get to be anointed. Luke chapter 24 and 49, Jesus basically is talking about, just, this is after his resurrection, just before the ascension, and he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. 
And as most of you know, Acts 1.8, we're going to start in Acts 1.4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which we just read, which you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, when will this, will you restore kingdom? And he says, that's not the, the point I'm trying to make. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. One more just to throw in, way back in the end of the New Testament, in 1 John chapter 2. Chapter one, yeah, chapter two. Sorry, I have to find it in my Bible. It's already up on the screen, isn't it? Christy is so fast. Chapter two and verse 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. In verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need anyone to teach you but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. It's almost as if Jesus is saying to his disciples, wait, don't try this without the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? He's given them this mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, to disciple all nations, and then he says, but Wait. Don't try this without the Holy Spirit. How many of us were raised in churches that said, hey, no, no, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You can do this in your own strength. If we give you enough education or enough motivation, you can do this. And we think we know more than Jesus. Jesus has said, wait, 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 wait. Don't try this without the Holy Spirit. Here's what hit me. It wasn't Jesus rising from the dead that saw the kingdom advance. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus not gather large crowds and do miracles after his resurrection? Because his pattern was not addition, it was multiplication. Take the anointing that is upon him and put it upon his disciples who make disciples, and the kingdom has been advancing for 2,000 years, impacting the whole world because of the Holy Spirit. You still with me? Let me say it in other words. Okay? Now, I understand that the words I'm going to use now are not in the Bible, but they're communicating the same idea. God's pattern is decentralization. God's pattern is multiplication, decentralization. Man's pattern is centralization. 
If you leave it to man, we tend to gather things into a hub and say, okay, we've got to control it. We see this historically in the Catholic Church where it becomes centralized with one person who's in charge. Jesus' plan was give them the spirit and let them go. We see it in every human government in history. Every government tends to move toward totalitarianism, gathering more control to itself and limiting the citizens. Now, all you have to do is study history and you see that to be true. It is slower in democracies, but that doesn't make it any different. Man's pattern is centralization. Gather the power and control what's being done. God's pattern is decentralization. Give out the power. Totally different, isn't it? Quite crazy. Not only is man's pattern centralization, but for many churches, it's become centralization. Got to have our name, our brand. Let me tell you, we are not trying to build a brand. Our only brand is Jesus. And then his means to accomplish that is the empowering and the leading of the Spirit. And that's all. As humans, we tend to want to add something to that. The Holy Spirit and some education. It hit me when I was reading in Acts 9 of Paul's conversion. From verse 17. Now here's the story of Paul. You know the story. He was a persecutor of the church. He met uh, Jesus on the road to Damascus. And uh, in verse 17. Where am I? I'm in the wrong chapter. That's why it doesn't look right. Ananias went his way. So Paul's gone on to Damascus. Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road uh, as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and received his sight at once and he rose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Paul sent, spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the son of God. Immediately. So what we see is he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was healed. He was baptized. And immediately he began to minister. Now think about what most of us would do. Yeah, he needs theological training. He only knows the old covenant. 
In addition to that, he's got a bunch of bad relationships. He's been putting people in jail. He's probably alienated a whole lot of people. He needs to go make all those right. And then he needs to demonstrate the fruits of repentance. He's been persecuting this church. How many of us would opt for those additions to the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Now, you're saying no because I've set you up. But most of us, our history is exactly that. And if we're not careful, that comes with us. God's pattern is multiplication. His means is the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit plus. There is something in Ephesians 4 about equipping the saints. There's something equipping which is good, all that, but that's not a prerequisite to God using us. You with me? We probably would have said that Paul needed to take at least a year, if not two, before he could actually be released in the ministry. I want you to be honest. How many of you put something like that on yourself? I don't know enough. I need some more theological background. I've got to actually work out some things first. Can you imagine? Paul's been just, just right before this, he's throwing people in jail. Now he gets up and he preaches. You think some people might have been offended? You think he, maybe that should have been taken care of beforehand? God didn't. He said, no, we'll deal with that as we go along. So what does it mean for us? There's a reason why my name is Russ. Because every time I say for us, it sounds like for Russ. <laughs> and so what does it mean for Russ and for the rest of us? It means this. We must have a heart conviction that God's a God of multiplication. And what that means is that he wants to use all of us. When we come into relationship with him, his arms open wide, we don't have to prove ourselves he's received us, but the result of him pouring his love upon us is that we get to partner with him in the extension of his kingdom, what he's doing, and he wants to use every single one of us. Can I ask you to say that? God wants to use me. God wants to use me. It applies to Russ, but it applies to everyone. God's pattern is multiplication. You get to be a part of the most exciting thing in history, the extension of the kingdom in partnership with the king,
Talk about purpose and destiny, but talk about excitement. He wants to use us. So not only must, not only do we need a heart conviction that God's a God of multiplication, we actually need a confidence in the Holy Spirit. Are you capable enough? No. Will you ever be capable enough? No. Settle that in your heart. Is he? Yes. Can you learn enough to be an effective minister? No. If you go to Bible college or seminary, if you spend up to an hours a day fasting and, and uh, praying, will you learn enough to be uh, usable to God? No. But will he pour out his spirit upon you? Yes. Is he capable enough? Yes. But I don't know what to say. You don't need to. What if they ask me this question? You don't have to answer it. You have to answer what you know. In fact, the Bible says in two places, even when you face persecution, don't prepare in advance. Don't go to Bible college or seminary. Don't prepare what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words you need. Please understand, I'm not anti-studying. I'm not anti-theology or anti-Bible college. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying those are not prerequisites to God using you. One last scripture. Matthew chapter 10. It's also in Luke 21, but in chapter 10, he says this. Think of this in light of what we've just been talking about. Uh, Chapter 10 and verse 19. Behold, uh, where's 19? But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. Do not worry about how or what you can speak. Oh, I don't speak very well. Don't worry about it. I don't know what to say. Don't worry about it. Jesus says a whole lot about don't worry, isn't he? (laughs) For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your Father who speaks in you. The spirit of your Father, the Holy Spirit. You have an anointing that teaches you. There's something when God chooses to use you in a circumstance, he anoints you. If we're walking in step with the Spirit. So not only must we have a heart conviction, God's a God of multiplication, but not only must we have confidence in the Holy Spirit, we must embrace both the manifestations and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you're really critical or sharp this morning, you're gonna say, How does this sermon fit with the very last song we sang? My agenda is Jesus. My perspective is Jesus. Yes, it is, but we add to that what Jesus added, which was, now that you've got that, you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit 
for the purpose of ministry. You don't need anything else but Jesus to come into relationship with God. He's done it all himself. His arms open wide. He's inviting you. But once you come into that relationship, once you've been, been added back into to, uh, the family of God, we get the privilege of being a part of what he's doing. And in order to do that, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus was the anointed one, we're the anointed ones. Now, what I just said was the most profound thing you heard this morning. So let me repeat it again. Just as Jesus was the anointed one when he was on earth, we are now the anointed ones. Here's an interesting thought. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He said, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. He actually said, it's to your benefit that I go away because God will send the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to say something that's going to be challenging to some of you right now. Jesus didn't need the anointing in heaven. He left the anointing when he went. And his pattern was multiplication, so he didn't leave it with a man. He made it available to everyone. Let me ask you, will you embrace the manifestations and the fruit of the Spirit, the anointing? As charismatics, as Pentecostals, most Pentecostals tend to put a lot of emphasis on the manifestations, and we almost totally ignore the fruit. Non-Pentecostals, Baptists, put a lot of focus on the fruit and almost totally ignore the manifestations. Neither is biblical. Because when we embrace the Holy Spirit, we get the manifestations and the fruit. Right? So, The Holy Spirit is God living with us now. Emmanuel. God with us. You'll call his name Jesus, but you'll call his name Emmanuel. Why? Because he will introduce God living with us. And God living with us now is the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your head? I want to just challenge you, all of us. I believe God's saying there's something of this year in his heart of fruitfulness. There's been prophetic words. Case shared something with us that we're praying through, but it had to do with a harvest and a, and a releasing and double uh, grace and God's heart reaching people. But his means of doing that is all of us. And in the midst of that, will we embrace the anointing of the Holy Spirit? The manifestations and the fruit. Will we say, 
Jesus, just as you were anointed, I want to be anointed. That's where fruitfulness comes from. It's not because we try to be more fruitful. It's because of the Holy Spirit. Now having said that, I want to take a moment. God has said a number of times in prophetic words and things that have been shared of his heart for people coming back to him. Many of you I look around, I know, not all of you. I don't know how that applies, but God's actually saying, Jesus is saying he's standing with his arms open. Will you come back to him? I woke up in the middle of the night. Felt like God said that there'll be someone here today who made a commitment to Jesus when they were young. Maybe even as a child, and they walked away, and he's saying, it's time. Come back to him. If that's you, don't be afraid. He's not standing with his arms folded, angry, looking down his nose. He's there with his arms open wide, wanting to to pour out his love. If that's you, would you just respond to his invitation? But for all of us, Would we allow him to fill us so that we're overflowing on others? Lord, we see your word. Your pattern is multiplication. Your means is the Holy Spirit, and we embrace you, Holy Spirit. Even while our focus is on Jesus, we embrace the anointing that Jesus had that you're putting upon us for today, for this week, for this year ahead. We don't want to do it without you, but we embrace that, and we receive it anew and afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?